preached here uh, several weeks ago, about four or five weeks ago, <clears throat> in chapter 1 for a message, and the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Again, we'll be back in the book of Acts on September 24th. Again, good to have the Conleys in our service today. The wedding yesterday for Marion and, and Derek, that was just sweet, very beautiful wedding. And excited for them. Ruth, chapter 2. Just look at a couple of verses here today. Near the end of the chapter, verse number 18. And I'm going to take this from one particular angle today for, for this message. Verse 18 says, And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed, uh, blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living uh, and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou goest out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly love you. I thank you for your word. Lord, I ask your blessing upon the service today. Lord, I pray for your grace, your mercy, and your help. Please, Lord, control what I say and how I say it and help me to stay true to your word. Lord, please use it today to strengthen us, to draw us closer to you. Lord, to see your goodness and, 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 and your provision in our life. And Lord, so I pray, Lord, that we would leave here different. I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted. Lord, I certainly pray for that conviction, for that drawing, for repentance and faith to take place. That perhaps even this morning they would place, make that decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, may you be glorified, I pray, and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I preached a message uh, again out of the book of Ruth a couple of weeks ago from the conclusion of chapter 1, and I thought in a few weeks, I knew I'd probably be back in, 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 the, in the book of Ruth a few weeks from this particular Sunday, and I thought I would go earlier into chapter 1 and preach the message on when life does not go as planned. But again, the Lord did not direct that way. And... Uh, and if you remember that, that is what happened, that you could imagine, just in the life of Naomi and, and how life did not go as planned for her. And I, I laid the, really the foundation for that, even back several weeks ago. You know, she gets married, she's so excited there in Bethlehem, but a famine hits. That was not planned. Her husband makes the decision without prayer to leave Bethlehem and head to a foreign land. That was not what she expected for her newly formed 
family. They have two boys. They head out. Again, they're in a strange land. That would be difficult. And then all of a sudden, her husband dies. Life did not go as planned. Her husband dies, and her two sons marry uh, um, Moabitess, which would be very much come with mixed feelings at that point in time. And so, and then for the next 10 years, there's not a single grandchild born. Again, life not going as planned. But then tragedy strikes yet again. Both of her sons die. They die just hardship upon hardship upon hardship in her life. Life was not going as planned. And then I preached the message as she returned back to Bethlehem and how Ruth had made the decision to stay with her. Ruth 1.16 is the key verse of this entire book. How she made the decision, I will stay with you. Your God shall be my God. I'm going to follow you. And so they return, and the last message was demonstrating the danger of bitterness. Remember what she said. She said, listen, don't call me Naomi. You call me Mara, bitter. For God had dealt hardly, I mean, had dealt hard against me. And so I dealt a message on the danger of bitterness and how it affects how you view your past, how you view your present, and how you view your future. It changes how you view life when you begin to allow bitterness to come in. And we see that in the life of Naomi, uh, in the life of Naomi taking place. Chapter 2, what I did not get into prior to this section, is also very important. It's an exciting part. Why Naomi is, is allowing bitterness to begin to come in, we see Ruth does not. She takes action. She goes ahead on her own, not under the direction of Naomi, and decides, I'm going to go do what I can. And she's going to glean in the field. It was her decision. And you see, based upon her action, God's providential hand coming in. Because she goes to this field of a man named Boaz. She has no idea who this man is. She is out there. Boaz happens to come riding in. He's talking with his, the management team for his fields. And he recognizes, or he doesn't really recognize her. He sees someone new, and he asks who that is. And, and they said, well, well, that's Ruth. She's the one who came with Naomi. And he'd heard the story. And he immediately knowledge of her and, 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 and begins to make provision for her immediately. He instructed the young men, listen, I'm going to put her in my set fields. She will be protected. You guys will not touch her. And he said, and you will purposely, you're going to drop stalks for her to take. And then he invites her to his own personal lunch that day. I mean, could you just imagine being Ruth at all that is taking place? And remember, this is all God's providence. The field she happened to hit, this is God's sovereignty, God's directing in all of it. Because she decided, I'm not going to be the victim in this. I, I, I'm going to act. And she goes out, God works. So we pick up right now when she is now returning home with all that she has. Um, so it's amazing what we see taking place here after God's providence and directing. Ruth deciding not to stay idle. And, and again, her needs were met beyond what she ever imagined on that very first day. She went to that field empty, but she is definitely returning more than full. Now, in our text, we're going to see Naomi's bitterness changes. With what we read here today, this is the angle I'm going to take it today. We're going to see Naomi going from a place of bitterness to a place of joy. And the process of how that takes place. Listen, it's lined up not just here, but throughout Scripture. This is how this takes place. How you can go from a place where bitterness is beginning to set in, or if it's already happened, how you can take it to a place of joy. We see that happen here with Naomi. 
You don't want that root of bitterness coming into your soul. It's a strong poison and it begins to take over and deteriorate your life. It opposes forgiveness. It refuses grace. It loves misery. It thrives on depression. And it needs to be dealt with swiftly according to the Word of God. So Naomi had this bitterness starting to spring up in her because of the horrible trials she went through of life. And that led to a wrong view of God. She forgot how good God actually is and began to actually blame Him. However, as we're going to see today, Naomi does respond and takes action to remove the bitterness. So we're going to look at these steps she takes. I'm, I'm, I have them in three, three different A's for those who like to take notes and write them down. The three steps that we're going to see that are taken in our text. Number one, it's a result of the action of others. Number two, the acknowledging of God. And number three, acting on what God has shown you. Faith. So let me say this. For a person who is struggling in this area that is going through difficulty and difficult circumstances, you have to determine you no longer want to be in that condition. It starts there. Bitterness can oftentimes, ironically enough, almost become a source of comfort. But a miserable comforter it is. It, it sort of becomes the life that you know and how you identify. You have to determine, I need to repent of this. I cannot let this control my life. It is no way to live. Listen, the most precious and valuable thing that we possess is not your bank account. It's not your house. It is time. It is time. You will never get back the seconds that pass by you. And it is, it is such a wasted life when you allow bitterness to come in because of trials and difficult circumstances, which we will face in life. So let's go through the process of what the Lord did in the life of Naomi and see if we cannot glean from it to help ourselves. First of all, in this process, when I, what I want to look at today is the actions of others. Look at verse 18 and 19. She took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law and saw what she had gleaned and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today and where, ha- and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. So let's look at what's taking place right here. You can just imagine Ruth so excited about coming home after the very first day of gleaning in the field. Which was for, if you remember, I don't have time to cover that right now. That was a provision put in the law of God for those who were poverty stricken, who had no means. God supplied a way that they they could still go work in a field and have their needs met by what fell by the wayside. The workers were not allowed to go back and pick up what fell by the wayside as they reaped from the field. If it fell, that was for those who who were in, in a poverty position economically in life, and they can come to that field, and then they can work and pick up what had fallen and provide for themselves. And so that's what Ruth had found out about this. So she determined on her own, that's what I'm going to do. We've got to have provision for our, for our life right now. Naomi's in no condition to work. She thinks God is against her. And so she heads out. 
So it's the conclusion of the first day, and she's so excited. She has somewhere around the equivalent of 30 pounds of food. From the first day, she has more than a month's worth of provision, which rarely, I mean, that just never happened. Not rarely, it just never happened. You can just see how excited she would be. And know what Ruth knows? She knows better than anybody. Naomi needs to see this. She needs to see what her God did. She can't wait to tell her. Look. Look how God responded. You can think of Naomi at home, by the way, knowing Ruth headed out. I personally think Naomi was probably pacing, wondering how her day went. I believe she was probably very worried. Worried she might be refused to glean in the field. Worried she might be assaulted and harassed by men. She's a Moabitess. Don't forget that. So anyhow, Ruth arrives. She comes to the door. Naomi sees all that she has. One day gleaning, and she comes back with a month's worth of provision. She even had some hidden. That's what the end of verse 18 was talking about. Remember, she had that lunch with Boaz. What that's referring to as it concludes in verse 18 was some of the leftovers from the lunch, she basically put in her pockets, if you will. And she said, well, that's not all. Look at this. Where would you get that from? And she would tell her about how um, the man had me over at his lunch table himself. I mean, he heaped upon me. I had more than I can eat. I mean, so excited to go over the day with her, all that had taken place. They both rejoice. What we see taking place here is God is using Ruth to change Naomi. To see, to be able to take Naomi from a place of bitterness to a place of thankfulness. To go from her seeing that God's not against her, but that God is for her. So often, if you allow bitterness to set in too much, you will be blinded to all the different ways that God is actually working in your life. And many times, if you're not, if you're, if you're not careful, that bitterness begins to grow against God, and you purposely refuse to see where God is good in your life. But Naomi responds in a manner of faith. Determined not to stay in that condition. She wants to go from being hollow to hopeful. To go from such despair in her life to having a measure of delight. Her boys are dead. Her husband is dead. This is not how she thought life would go. And for the last year, she has determined to stay in this condition, but now she's getting ready to respond and recognize God's goodness. We see how one person trusting the Lord in the example we have with Ruth and believing God can affect others. Listen, if you have those in your family or those a close friend that is, a, that, that, is, that is affected and going through something, it's so important that you look to show where God's goodness is in their life and in your life. To try and get them to see, no, you're looking at this wrong from a wrong perspective. Don't blame God for things he has never promised. 
Listen, your faith and your hope in God can help affect others to be an encouragement to them. Seek to speak those words at the right time. Look to be a servant. Look to be a help. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 24, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. We've probably all been there at times and somebody just says a word at the right time that you need. Many times they don't even know it. I see Holly, she doesn't even know this. She did that one day for me. Tough day. It was a tough several days. I just finished preaching. I think it was a Wednesday night. I can't remember what service it was. That was an evening. So Sunday night or Wednesday night. The service had ended. I headed back to my office. I just got in. I just sat at my desk. And service was over maybe five minutes. And Holly, the door was open. She just knocked and stuck her head in. And she just said something to the effect. I just want you to know, I, I, I get it along those lines. And I, I knew what she meant at the time. Oh, that was actually such a word of encouragement at the moment. You never know. Just be sensitive to the Lord's leading. You don't know when you're coming through, when you're, when you're shaking that person's hand. Say a word of encouragement. There's power in words both ways. Look to be that blessing. Look to be that help. Don't focus on being critical with your actions and with your words. Ruth's actions by her heading out to the field and how she came home just put a smile on Naomi's face. And a person who has or is struggling with bitterness has to remember. The thought has to hit. There is hope in God. See, you know what I think was going through Naomi's mind at this time? There's something along this lines. As she's listening to Ruth's excitement over what took place and seeing all the provision they have, more than a month's worth of food. And Naomi knows what is taking place being Jewish. She, she's had an understanding that she knew immediately somebody took notice of her. She knows this just didn't happen. She's, she's, she's just gleaning. She's just getting what the men drop. I believe Naomi was thinking something along these lines. It's one of my favorite verses in the Psalms. I believe the thought came to her mind. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. There's always hope in Him. Always. Sometimes it is the faith and hope of someone else that begins to get a hold of our heart and encourage us. Where God uses something in the life of another and a person to encourage them. And let me just say this. When it comes to, for our adults, when it comes to testimony time in church, it's things like this that you look for. All right? It's things like this where you're thinking, where, where testimony time, listen, it's not about you. It's about you wanting to, number one, glorify God. Number two, to try and be an encouragement to somebody else. The second thing we state take place here, and this now is on Naomi's part, and that is her acknowledging of God. Look at verse 20. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, blessed, blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, 
the man is near of kin unto us, one of our, uh, one of our next kinsmen. Now what we see uh, Naomi doing is acknowledging God. This is a huge step. For a person to recover from this, to be able to go to a place of, of hopelessness to hope, they have to be able to see God's hand in the events in their life. This is what now Naomi is, is seeing. The faith of the other person can only go so far. This is where that person has to make a decision. That person needs to choose to see God in their life and in their circumstances. Apart from that, you will remain bitter. When you begin to see the hand of the Creator in your life, you can quickly be turned to joy in spite of circumstances. I mean, think about it. Why did Joseph not get bitter? Sold as a slave? Accused of a crime he never committed? Thrown into prison? thinking he will never get out of prison again, the one, the one of all his brothers who actually wanted to serve God and do right. And he's the one suffering. He's the one in prison for a crime he never committed. He was the one sold by his brothers a slave. While his brothers are out uh, with their dad, having their freedom, married. And he's in prison, riding away. He never let bitterness come in and change him. Never. You want to know why? He understood God is in control. I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. And listen to me. Had he allowed bitterness to come in, he would remove himself from the will of God just like that. Want to know how? Let's see how his bitterness coming against God. I was the one I was trying to serve you. This isn't fair. This isn't just. This isn't right. I'm done. So many people make that horrible decision. Let's say Joseph does that. He's sitting in prison. God, I'm done. All of a sudden one day, Right from Pharaoh's house, a butler and a baker get thrown into prison. They have dreams, and Joseph knows I can interpret those. But I'm done. I'm through with serving God. And bitterness makes that decision. He would have never have stood before Pharaoh. Bitterness can take you right out of the will of God. Naomi chooses to see God in this. I mean, I can just see it all coming together for her. See, once again, she sees God's goodness. I mean, it's hitting. Wait, whose field did you glean in? Boaz? I know him. I, I mean, and, and it clicks. All of a sudden, the law of God's coming into mind. She's like, this is incredible. What could happen with this? She knows the potential of what is taking place. And again, we're, we're going to be dealing with some people right in the very lineage of King David and the lineage of Christ. She knows it is no accident she happened to go to the field of Boaz. She chose to see God's hand in it. She can now see what God can do. G.K. Chesterton wrote these words. He said, Hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. Think about that. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless, 
or does no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Why? Because it's here in that situation you look to God. You can begin to understand how faith directly affects hope. There are many times, and and usually it's the time we need hope the most in God, is when you can't understand or agree or see what's taking place. Naomi responds to Ruth letting her know this man is a kinsman redeemer. And I don't want to focus on this for this message, but let me briefly bring that up because it is such an amazing picture. So I just want to touch on it. The word for kinsman here is an important one that is used here in Ruth. It's the same one from the law, the Hebrew word that is, that is used. Um, it was a term of, how would I word it, a family law in, in Scripture, in the Old Testament. He had several responsibilities if you were a kinsman redeemer. All right, let me list just a couple of them. He was responsible for the repurchase of land sold by a family member out of economic necessity. That's Leviticus 25. That, that, that redeemer had that responsibility. Okay, he had to do that. that. That would keep the inheritance within the family. So that responsibility was put on him. If financially able, he needed to purchase back a family member if one was sold into slavery. He also had the duty of tracking down a person responsible for the murder of a relative. He would also, though, receive money paid as restitution for wrongdoing if uh, if a family member was deceased. He also had the responsibility for marrying the widow to keep the name if no sons were in place. So there is much he is in a position to do legally for Naomi and Ruth. And it's such a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in our salvation. We went through the book of Ruth, and I I took time to expound on that, how Boaz is very much a type of Christ. Such a beautiful story of redemption uh, um, and this picture of love. And just incredible how... how, Going back to the Garden of Eden, but then sin came in, and sin becomes our master. We're slave to sin. We've lost what we possess because of the fall. We were separated from God. But then God decides to become a man, to put himself in a place to be a kinsman redeemer. Incredible. And by the way, just like we're going to see what happens, what happens, think about what happens with Ruth. It is such a picture of this statement. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. She's going to have so much more when God is done with this. But back to the main point one I want to drive out here. To go from bitterness to joy, you have to see God's hand working. Naomi is now seeing God's sovereign hand at work. She's putting things together. She, too, is seeing how this can go to... In, to how amazing this all could end up. Through all the hardship, everything that God did, and how all this could end up in the end. Too often, people find comfort in their bitterness 
and refuse to see God working. You see, she's not de- denying or trying to avoid seeing God's hand working. She does not want to stay in her bitterness. I mean, uh, I can think of, I can think different ways that God did that. I, um, I, I think many different stories come to mind right now. Um, I, I, let me go to this one. The, I'm not going to get into the details of the first six, seven, eight months in New Guinea. Many of you heard that many times of the different hardships that had taken place. Uh, malaria, the power situation, uh, the water situation, no, nobody knows, just all the struggles and trials. And really, I didn't understand, I didn't agree with any of it. It was, it was an incredibly difficult time to go through all of that. Now, we had come through it by this time. And a lot I didn't understand, uh, I mean, from the time that no rain, uh, washing the river and whatnot. And, and, and so now this is probably about a year beyond all that. All right, This would be a year after the Dorito story, if you will. Okay, and I'm with Terry Thrun, the missionary that was up in Cavie, and the one who had actually died last December, and and so uh, we we're on a supply run, and, and me and Terry had decided to go ahead and go preach at the market. Again, open air preaching worked well there; crowds would would come and listen. So we had there, and Terry determined that I would do the preaching that day, and so we head up to the market in Cavian, and I am, and I'm getting ready to preach. And there's this lady here that I know she's from Nematanai. And she starts pulling people over, all these people over to come listen. And she's grabbing people in the market. And remember, our island, if you don't remember this, in New Ireland was unique in all the provinces of New Guinea. It was matriarchal. The women made the decisions. And so they were in control of the land decisions and everything else. So, and she, she had a name and influence even in our area, Nematanai. And so she's pulling people over, and I'm watching this take place as I am setting up to preach. We've got speakers and whatnot, and they know it's happening. They know I'm a missionary there by this time. And she's pulling people over, and this is exactly what she's saying. She's saying, this is my missionary. Come here, and this is my missionary. And I kid you not, she has never heard me preach one time. She's never came to one service I've held yet. And I'm, thinking, and I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world? What is she doing? And then the thought hit. What she did see was this, me and my family washing at a river. What she did see was the times with malaria in the aid station, not knowing what's going to happen. What she did see was all the trials and everything that we were going through. And know what she was able to say? This is my missionary. She could identify. And it clicked at that moment right before I preached. I get it. I see why you allowed it to take place. There's so often that in the moment you can't see it. You can convince yourself, no, there's just no way God can use this. You are wrong. Do you know how God specializes in turning evil into good? A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. There's several things we can learn from this as Naomi acknowledged God. Understand this. God is able to direct us right where we need to be. We need to understand God's hand is working in our life as Christians. Get this. Don't miss this. At all times. At all times. I think of the, of, of the one brother who's sitting in our services right now. I, I won't call him out, but I talked with him last week. And I asked you know, about him finding us, and he said, I would drive by the church and drive by the church. 
and get convicted. You need to go. You need to go. Do you think it was just coincidence that his house happens to be right around the corner from this church? No. That was the God of grace, of knowing right where you're at. Right where you're at. We have to learn to trust him no matter the situation we are in. There is always hope in the Lord. We need to know, have that faith, when you can't see or understand what God is doing, you've got to trust him. Don't let it steal your joy. Our joy should be in our relationship with God and all that we have with him. And listen, doesn't matter what happens in life, that can't be taken from you. Do you understand that? The most important thing you have in that salvation and all that we have in Christ can never be taken from you. So when an injustice hits, trust God. He will make it right one day. When you're hurt, you know that one, one day that God will make everything perfect. And he will. That day will come. That day will come, and you can rest knowing this. God knows. He does. And then thirdly, acting on what God has shown you. Now look what changes for the first time. Naomi gets to work. She is now, once she has recognized she had the encouragement of Ruth, she acknowledges God is in this, but it doesn't stop there. She gets to work. She acts. She's acting on what God has shown her. And Ruth the Moabite has said, uh, there in verse 21 is where I'm reading, he said unto me also, thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Notice Naomi's response to that. Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz uh, uh, to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Again, once you see God's hand working, don't just sit back. Act upon it. Begin to walk by faith again. Begin to respond to it. Naomi saw God's hand in this, and she responds. She now gives direction. She now gives instruction unto Ruth. She's acting by faith. She sees God working. She didn't focus on her trials anymore. She now focused on her future. She now focused on what God could do. She sees, wait, I, I, I can really see how God can use this. She just doesn't sit back right now and say, well, I'm glad you had a good day, but it's only one day. You don't know what's going to happen in the next seven weeks. That could have happened. It could have. With where her heart was. We'll probably have another famine. I bet you those thoughts hit her head. I bet you they did. That's why you have to act in faith. When you recognize, no, I can see God in this, respond. Don't look for reasons why things can't be done. Look for why they can be accomplished. <clears throat> Boaz will probably die probably fall off his horse and hit his head. I'm not going to hope in that. Listen, 
One of the reasons that we do that, that people do that, listen to me, they begin to protect themselves from hurts that have taken place. But you'll never live your life there. You have to walk by faith. Trust in God. When you see his hand working, respond. Don't sit idly by. She sees what has happened, and she gives great advice and great wisdom to Ruth. Again, what we see here is the principle is, if you draw nigh to God, what will he do? Draw nigh to you. She gives great wisdom right here. Wisdom from the Lord. She didn't want her purity affected. She wanted her, he says, listen, Ruth, when you go back, you stay by the young women. She didn't want any other romance brewing with any other guy out there. She knew the importance of Boaz. And so she instructs her, I want you to stay by the young women. She wanted her to be in a place that if this is God working and directing Boaz, I, I assure you, Ruth or Naomi is already thinking of marriage. She knows what can happen. So she is now acting by faith. Listen, she's telling us, I want you in a place where God can work. And by the way, for our young people, many times that's exactly what our parents just simply want to do. They're trying to give direction to put you in a place where simply God can use you. I love her response. Her response was simple. She obeyed. She did it. If the danger is if Ruth lived by the American mentality of today, I wonder what her response would have been to Naomi. Don't you tell me who I can work with. I can make my own decisions. Yeah, because all of us have such great wisdom of ourselves. Don't you tell me I'm the one doing the work. If I want to work with him, and I will make my own choices. But she obeyed. Listen, let me bring the focus back to Naomi. Naomi was in a very difficult place in her heart and in her mind. We can understand why. Because life did not go as planned. This wasn't how she saw life going. That happens for many of us. And it's in those places we've got to be so careful to guard our mind. Even somebody like Naomi, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. For God hath dealt hard against me. Not seeing his goodness. Blaming him. But Ruth, who's a new convert, who had just made that profession, leaving the paganness and the and there was something that when, when she heard the stories though of Naomi of this Jehovah God the Creator, she chose that's truth. That's what I want to follow. Your God shall be my God. I, I will follow you. I will leave what I know to follow your God. 
And boy, would God honor her commitment. So she determines, I'm not just sitting around. I can glean. I'm going to go do it. And then wouldn't you happen to know it? Right into the field of Boaz. All of God's providence. (laughs) Just amazing. God's providence. Listen, when you're here right now, it's not coincidence. It's God's providence. But many times, again, that's not enough, isn't it? Even though you have the encouragement of others, you've got to acknowledge, you no, know, God is in this. I can see God working. Then choose to go by faith. That's what Naomi did. Ruth was that encouragement, and, and, and she saw, yes, I can actually see God in this. I can see what God to do. So she responded by faith and acted. That's how you come out of this. You trust in God. And one day, by the way, I don't know how your life is going to turn out. I don't know. But I do know this, that if you are truly saved and redeemed, one day everything will be perfect and right. It will. It will. All sickness, disease, it will all be said and done. And then you will understand the only thing that matters is what we did for Christ. As I said in the introduction, the most important thing you possess is your time. It's your time. Don't waste it in a condition that cripples your ability to be effective for God. And by the way, it is, it is those who have power over multitudes who go through incredibly difficult circumstances and remain strong in faith that it affects multitudes of others. It is. That's where others draw strength from when they see what God can do in your life. Stay faithful to Him. Now, as I close this, this message certainly was for those who are converted. But let me ask this question. If you're to die right now, are you sure where you would go? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Do you know without a doubt that heaven is your home? Because listen to me, you will die one day, and the Bible is very clear. It's appointment once today, once to die, but after this, the judgment. You will stand before Almighty God in judgment. You have a major problem when that day comes, because you are guilty. You have broken His law just like I have. You're, you're a liar like I am. You're a coveter. We can go on and on throughout all the law. We've broken it all. And so you're going to stand before Him in judgment, and you are guilty. And 100% of those who are found guilty are cast into a lake of fire. Every single one. Something has to take place where you look perfect. That's where Jesus Christ comes in. God, in order to save you because he loves you, he himself became a man 2,000 years ago. He lived the perfect life. The only man who's ever lived who can go to judgment day and the Father could finally say, you're innocent. I find no fault. But he lived the perfect life for you. You see, when he went to that cross, when we say the phrase that Christ died for you, what we mean is this, what took place right there was the most important transaction in all of human history. God placed upon his son our sin and our guilt as if he was the transgressor. And he judged him in your place. He suffered hell for you. That cross was that suffering to the point where it was enough, where Christ could cry out, it is finished. He suffered for you. That satisfied the justice of God where God was able to declare, this worked. 
It satisfied justice for the sins of the world. So he was judged in your place because he took your sin as if he was the guilty one. But at the same time, he gives you his perfect life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He gives you his perfect life. He switches places with you. He takes your sin as if he was the transgressor. And he gives you his perfect life as if you lived a life without sin. He died for you. If you'll come to him in repentance and faith, he will save you. That's not in baptism. That's not in church membership. That's not in turning over a new life. That's in you realizing salvation is only in Christ alone. And you coming to him and placing your faith in him with heads bowed and eyes closed.